Hello, welcome to Loving Colour. I'm Tanaka, I'm black. I'm Imogen, I'm white. We're friends, and we're here to share our experiences with whiteness, anti-blackness, and racial discomfort. In each episode, we'll tackle a different aspect of racism, both enacting it and being impacted by it. We've chosen to do this by doing what we do best, telling stories. This is what it looks like when justice starts at home. Welcome to episode 6.5. We're going to have a chat about how the show has gone so far for us, maybe some of the things that we've learned from it, and what we hope to achieve in the next season going forward. Yeah. So, Tanaka, tell me some stuff. Uh, yeah. So, this is a really fun episode for me because we just get to chill out and yeah. we don't have to do much prep um, and we just kind of get to do something a little more cash. Yeah, me too. I totally, last night when I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, we've got to record an episode tomorrow. I've got to do all this preparation. And then I looked at my notes and I was like, oh no, it's a 6.5. We don't actually have to prepare anything. <laughs> yeah. Tanaka and Imogen being spontaneous. And having a nice chat. Yep. Be afraid, everyone. <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been thinking a lot about how the first six episodes felt, um, and kind of how we grow along with this podcast. I think definitely the wrong thing for us to do would be to do the exact same thing in the next season, and the next season, and the next season. Um, you know, mm. like we're not Fraser, 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 Fra- How do you say the name of that show? I don't know, but anyway, like. I've never watched it, but I think it's Frasier. Probably, yeah. I, I'm sure you're right. <laughs> I also have never watched it. It's one of the things my dad watched. Um, but yeah, I've kind of been thinking, I feel like I want to do something slightly different. I feel like I was very... Um, I, sp- I spoke a lot and shared a lot last series about how racism has impacted me Um and I feel like this, the half of the story that I'm missing is the the pieces about where I've been complicit in um, in those things because I think we all can be. Mm. Um, and there are definitely times mm. when, for like various reasons, I haven't challenged things or I haven't stood up for myself or for others um, in ways that kind of are in keeping with my values. Um, and you've been really vulnerable through the first season and I kind of listening back to the episodes I feel a need to like meet that vulnerability and and step into it a bit more so that's that's kind of my challenge mm. for myself in the next season mm. is to step into that space a bit more yeah and I think one of the things that I've been hearing from a lot of people is that that vulnerability and the kind of detail that we go into is one of the things that is you know people is fi- are finding inspiring because it's about, I, I suppose it's about realizing that, yeah, as you say, we're all complicit and we've all got work to do. Mm. It makes me think of, so I, I was reading the end of um, Ibram X. Kendi's book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, towards the end of the <clears throat> kind of Christmas break. So we're recording this in the 3rd of February. And so I just, I finished that book a little while ago and one of the things that he talks about towards the end of it is about how so for me I've always well 
not always, I suppose, but since beginning my anti-racism journey, I've understood that theory that essentially white people can be racist against black people, for example, but black people can't be racist against white people because white because racism is not just personal prejudice. It's also about systems of power. Mm -hmm. So because white people are in power, if there's discrimination against white people, then that doesn't count as racism. But in How to Be an Anti-Racist, there's a whole chapter about that where Ibram X. Kendi says, if you... Um, um, if you subscribe to that theory, then you're essentially saying that black people have no power. Mm. And if black people have power, then they can be racist against white people. And that's a really interesting concept to me. And it's the one concept in the book, which I really struggled with. And I was like, I still don't know if I can subscribe to that because that's counter to my entire education. Mm -hmm. So I'm really interested to know if you have a response to that. I guess I think um, when we talk about these systems of power, we tend to talk about them either in a very individual way or in the broadest possible way, right? or either individual or global. And I feel like we miss layers mm. in between, right? So I think it's absolutely possible to have particular situations where people of color have structural power over white individuals um and in those sorts of situations i would say like yeah that's like uh that's you could have racial prejudice plus structural misuse of power like that's kind of the definition of racism in that context mm. um i think that's definitely possible i also think mm. um kind of again troubling this definition of white because mm. you know for example if you look at really minoritized white populations in the UK, like uh, people from Irish traveler backgrounds or people from uh, kind of Eastern European backgrounds as well. There's a lot of prejudice there and I can definitely see, you know, certain people of color being complicit in reinforcing that, that prejudice. And I think it's, mm. um, it makes sense to group that under the heading of racism for me. Um, mm. So, yeah, like, I think, I guess what I'm saying is if we're talking about, like, global, super big picture stuff, I think racism against white people, probably not a thing. Um, but that doesn't always translate mm. down into the actual power dynamics in a country or in a neighborhood. Do you know what I mean? I think I think it's more complex than yeah. that. Okay. I also think... Um, kind of again counterintuitively that we might be getting slightly too stuck in this question of do we call this racism or do we not call it racism um okay not because it's not important to be able to call these things out but i don't know i guess sometimes i see that discussion happening and people say great we're going to decide that this is racism or great we're going to decide that this doesn't count as racism and either one of those can mm. be used as, as an excuse not to do anything about it, right? Mm. And that's where I start yeah. to get like slight, slightly suspicious. It starts to feel slightly like a distraction because if your situation is that um, a person from a white background feels like they are having power used against them in a way that they don't have 
recourse to or reasonable recourse to to challenge um mm. like the the primary thing to do is to stop that happening um because that's a that's not a great situation it's like let's slow everything down let's pause it because someone feels um that something not okay is happening there um do you know what i mean like i feel like if we immediately jump to ooh do we have to call this racism in order to take it seriously I think that's a mistake. Mm. I think we can take things seriously and yeah. have ambiguity about whether it kind of counts as racism or not. Um, yeah. And like there can still be appropriate action taken there even before we reach that conclusion. Yeah, brilliant. Wow. So smart. That's one of the other things that keep people keep messaging me to say once they've listened to this. They're like, he's really smart, isn't he? I'm like, yeah, he is. <laughs> oh, God, I'm Which too dark actually... to blush and I'm glad about that right now. <laughs> and anyway, it'd be only me who could see blushing. <laughs> um, it also reminds me of one of the things that I wanted to say about um for me, one of the lessons that I've been learning in this, which is really when I've been listening back because I've been going through and editing this stuff mm. and I really recognize that in most of the, probably all of the conversations that we've been having, <clears throat> I have this, um, feel I feel the need to know uh, know things and to get things right and I really feel like that's been coming across when I'm kind of speaking as if I have facts and like speaking truths and yeah trying to be kind of an expert because you know if I'm the co-host of a podcast about this subject matter surely I need to know lots about this subject matter and what I'm really for me an intention that I have going forward and again I think it's probably opening into more vulnerability like you're saying, is to be in the position of not knowing more and to be able to speak my experiences, sure. But like, I think sometimes you say stuff and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, as if I already know that. And I don't, like I've never considered that. And of course I need, and we again, I think we as white people, we need to be willing to admit to our ignorance and um, to therefore be more open to learning mm. about this stuff and so again like I just really thank you for being in this space with me and giving me that opportunity because I learned so much from you not just like while we're having the conversation in real time and I think actually I learn less in, when we're having the conversation in real time because part of my brain is also on the whole like I've got to sound like I know mm. what I'm saying but then when I go back and listen to them as I'm editing and I listen to them a couple of times and then I'm like wow <laughs> like I understand things on a much deeper level. So it's great for me to have the opportunity of hearing it a few times over. But, you, you know, I feel the same pressure. Um, like, I very much feel like mm. I show up to our conversations and I'm like, okay, I need to provide solutions. And um, there's definitely a little bit yeah. of me which is like, oh, God, uh, I need to handle this in a way that will make all people of colour proud of me. <laughs> um, which, of course, mm, is not. Yeah, uh, That's like many billions of people um even if they're not all listening mm. to this um but yeah there's definitely yeah. it definitely does feel like um sometimes i'm putting an unreasonable amount of pressure on myself to be super super smart um and mm. so that's a note for myself as well as to kind of step into saying i don't know sometimes um actually yeah. do you know what the question you just asked me i um i really should have said i don't know um 
at the end mm. of it because I have like I have thoughts on this whole can black people be racist thing but like yeah my thoughts do not have a full stop at the end of them I'm still up in the air on that yeah yeah that's a really good way of putting it and I and I think as well it's worth me acknowledging that but even by asking you that question you know I'm asking you for your opinion but perhaps again it's like perpetuating that situation where white people very often get black people to speak as if for all black people and maybe it's like I'm doing that to you here in this conversation and maybe that's something I need to be aware of or we need to be aware of again in the power dynamic of like not putting you in that position where you have to answer for all people of color Mm. I think it's about some like so much of it is about our approach um to these questions Mm. like I don't know for me it's always worth remembering that um these are like concepts like racism are concepts we deploy in order to make the world a fairer place in order to identify stuff um Mm. and therefore kind of base action off of it so if we're just trying to figure out if something is racist so that we can say aha this is a racism therefore um xyz is bad or good or whatever um and then that's where it Mm. ends i think that's uh less i think that's kind of misusing the concept in the first place in a way Mm, mm, yeah okay that's great so we have to yeah maybe find alternative ways to Mm. respond or just ask like why are we asking this question why Mm. why do you want to know if this thing counts as racism or not yeah um because there are different there are different next steps if we say yes it's racism Mm. potentially yeah um so like where are we going practically with that question i think it's something to consider yeah great nice thank you what else have you been reflecting on um i guess i've been thinking uh about just how nerve-wracking it is and kind of yeah building on what i said a second ago about um that pressure to not necessarily to speak for all black people or all or all asian people or, or anything like that but um kind of feeling like i'm i'm representing a huge number of people with experiences beyond my own um hmm. this conversation about race kind of post black lives matter is very there's a lot of heat in it um there's a lot of pressure hmm. to say the right thing i think as someone who's not white there's also uh, a pressure to um if not to be an authority, then certainly to... It feels like there's pressure to do things all at once. It feels like mm. here is the moment everyone is talking about this. We know that you know lots of people are going to lose interest um, in talking mm. about race in four months or six months or whenever, whenever it is. So it really feels like, oh, you should be ready. You should be ready to have this conversation. You should be bulletproof going in... Mm. Um, you've got you've got one shot to fix this mm. issue and mm. for me that's kind of very um like i'm not good with a deadline <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i never have been um but it definitely you know it feels like uh 
whoops, the A-levels have caught up with you almost. Only this time it's, you know, the the fate of fate of the world in a in a way mm. um and i'm definitely conscious of like releasing myself from that imposed time pressure and kind of mm. not buying into that timeline of you better you better jump on this while people are willing to talk about race with you mm. um cuz also like i've been saving a lot of this stuff up for decades of my life yeah. Yeah. um not that many decades hasten to add but <laughs> but a couple um and it suddenly yeah it feels very very time pressured very like you've got to squeeze all of this into a very short period of opportunity mm. um so i want to challenge myself to go slowly um yeah. and be careful with myself and and not pretend that we're going to solve this all in a year or two years and try and make make some peace with that because it, yeah. it's frustrating yeah yeah and I guess that also speaks to that yeah the thing that I was saying about like we can't know we don't know stuff and we're not here to um position ourselves as experts on anything we're just here to have some conversations about our own experiences and see how they land right and see what kind of lessons we we personally can can take from them um yeah mm. beautiful thank you for sharing that i wanted to um reflect on a response i had from um one of Gwynyai's cousins who was listening. Um, thank mm -hmm. you, Maddie, for listening and for having a conversation with me about it. Um, and so we talked about the first episode and Maddie asked me, um, well, she first of all was saying it's interesting because, you know, she knows me now in this period of my life and in relationship with Gwynyai. Um, and therefore it was quite a shock for her to hear the first episode where I was you know as a kid ignorant and um very very sheltered and in, in as people will know who've listened to that episode I kind of call this girl in my primary school the n-word and uh, Maddie was asking me to reflect on how that makes me feel now what does that bring me now where am I now in relation to that and it really had me reflecting on over the first season you know so there have been six episodes and six stories that we've each shared and for me most of them stories about the way I've messed up um, around race and have been harmful to people and it reminds me of um, uh, an essay by Bell Hooks where she's talking about representing whiteness in the black imagination. And it's a really brilliant essay and I really recommend it. But basically she's talking about how in the black mind, whiteness is synonymous with terror. Um, and that we bring a kind of a sense of terrorism with us when we enter black spaces particularly and that when when I first read that and then again in response to this conversation that I had 
and you know it kind of continually in between it's enabled me to think about the way that I present myself around racialized people and she talks a lot about the other and how as whites we're so um socialized to believe ourselves as neutral and everyone else as other but of course to people who are not white we are the other and Mm. if we begin to recognize ourselves as that and as the site of terror which I really do having you know gone into so much detail about so many instances where I've enacted racial harm I can really begin to conceive of myself as that terrorist and so then how does that inform the way that I behave around black people and other racialized people specifically people that I don't know because if I'm reminded of being the site of terror then that's going to mean that I have to take some care about the way that I come across not to impact and compound that conception and I think that's yeah. one of the big kind of lessons that I'm learning by con- continuously uh, analyzing, in a way, the way that I've behaved and continue to behave, frankly, mm. in my life. Or I think, I don't know whether it's about not having that impact. I think maybe it's about um, acknowledging that as one of many impacts, right, mm. that white bodies have in space. Um, some of which are good some of which are not so good Mm. Um, kind of holding the totality of it Mm. because I think um, what that makes me think of is kind of firstly like my experience is a very particular one where um, I my my the way I was brought up and the kind of environment I spent my teens in at school meant that I very much internalized the idea of white people as the default uh, mm. and myself as the other yeah. um, so I come at it slightly differently mm. um, but then also there's a piece of uh, if the only way people of color conceptualized white people was as that terror our reactions would be very different i think i think there are a bunch of kind of parallel ways that um that we interact with white people and particularly i'm thinking of in public spaces mm-hmm. um and so like yes like it carries that that memory of pain or oppression or aggression but also um like a lot of us are primarily treated by white doctors um, mm. because that's who that's a lot of who um who has gotten to to have those opportunities um yeah. so do you know what i mean like there's there's authority there but there's also care but there's also this kind of terrorist aspect that do you know what i mean like there's many many threads of of impact that all of our bodies mm. carry mm. and i think it's about waking up to all of them and and kind of thinking about how all of them shape our interactions mm. i'm doing the improv thing of like yes what you say and also many other things yes, on top and, and intertwined yeah. with it <laughs> yeah exactly and I, and that's a really important reflection of well as well I guess but just I think whichever impact <clears throat> we are conscious 
of it's good to be conscious of something because I think very often again we're socialized to just you know feeling ourselves as neutral we just go around the world Mm. as we like um so yeah taking all these things into account maybe yeah gives us an opportunity to just yeah consider like how, how what is our impact and what can we do to um yeah lessen our impact maybe or 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 just be be conscious of it perhaps yeah or i guess putting weight into the positive impacts i th- oh, like yeah. i like to think of it as what like a, almost like you're balancing like which which foot are you putting the weight on um mm. and how are you how are you doing that in the way that you interact with people in the way that you like like even that minutiae of um conversations and um you know, if the conversation turns to something about race, coming at it with curiosity and mm. awareness of gaps in knowledge rather than uh, a, a real need to make things okay and kind of, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, or, or defensiveness possibly, which I think quite often can yeah, be there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it's a question of shifting your weight rather than, because mm. I don't think you can, I don't think it's reasonable to expect to have zero impact No. in any situation. True yeah um and i wonder if maybe instead of shooting for that it's about rejigging and um maximizing positive impact as well as minimizing negative impact i think it's important to do the positive thing as well yeah i like that idea of like where are you shifting your weight that's really helpful Mm. what else what other what what would you what would you like to achieve moving forward i would like to um i would love to talk more about things where i really haven't made up my mind i think that's going to be something that'll be really nice um the kind of stuff where i'm just like yeah i really i genuinely don't know what we do about this i genuinely don't know how or what the best thing for me to do is Mm. um in this situation and we've definitely we've got some of we've got some of those topics coming up i'm looking at our little list of things that we're going to talk about Oh yeah, um, should we should we trail our list there. and tell people what yes. we're going to be talking about? Oh my god, yes. Do you want to do it or shall I? Let's do one each. Um, so okay. the the seven, episode seven is going to be about creativity and like who gets access to it. And then episode eight is the previously promised episode about class and our experience with that and what even means class in in a uk context and beyond yeah and then we're going to talk about the idea of being one of the good ones which i think is quite um uh pernicious around white people and racism so like what makes us think we're one of the good ones and how can we undo that belief Mm. yeah and i'm going to be bringing a little bit of um of my experiences with respectability politics into that as well beautiful and then the next one we've got is desirability and race uh, which is going to be again super mm-hmm. interesting and probably a bit crunchy <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah definitely i think for, for me it's, it's yeah like the like how are we perceived um and then so episode 11 is going to be hair and we're hoping to have conversations uh, you know about hair but that aren't necessarily the ones that are out there and that we speak about so often with hair and race and then finally we are winding up with sexuality and queerness 
um, and how race impacts those things, which is one I'm very excited about. And again, is going to be it's going to be kind of crunchy. Yeah. <laughs> So we're really excited to get into those conversations, yeah, with a bit more vulnerability and maybe a bit less knowing. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, I, you know, with this, um, for me, this real deepening of our relationship, which is what, you know, one of the huge benefits for me is that we, yeah, we get to go deeper and deeper. And I really am loving sharing this, this space with you. Yeah, me too. It's really nice to to just not feel like I'm trying to have these conversations alone anymore. <laughs> um, that's yeah. so that's so wonderful. Plus, if we screw it up and say something really horrible, then at least we'll still talk to each other, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No matter what people outside think about us. Hmm. Okay, so we thought we would wrap this up with uh, some quickfire questions for each other like we had uh, in episode zero. Um, so sh I'm going to just, just go for it and throw you some questions. Do Are it. you ready? Yeah, go for it. Cool. How do you self-identify? Uh, storyteller. <laughs> cool. What's your favorite hobby? Reading. What is the best dish that you can make? Mm, pancakes. Mm, mm. Um, who would your three ideal dinner party guests be? Ooh, uh, Oscar Wilde, Maya Angelou and Neil Gaiman. <laughs> nice. Um, where would you most, where in the world would you most like to live? Mm. Tokyo. Oh, nice. What are you currently watching? Uh, <laughs> RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> <laughs> Always. <laughs> if you didn't have to earn a living, what would you be doing? Um, storytelling. Mm, yeah, nice. Well done. <laughs> You'll see, see you're living your best life. <laughs> I know. It's great. Well, yeah. Planned it that way. <laughs> Yeah, good job. Um, what is the favourite piece of work you have so far made? Oh, that's low. Is that's it? like asking someone to choose between their children. Oh, that's true. <laughs> um, I still think you should choose. What is my favourite piece of work I have made? I wrote a poem uh, at university, um, which wasn't the highest impact, but it resulted in a really nice conversation with someone I respect a huge amount and it really helped her. So I'm going to say that poem, oh, nice. which is called um, An Open Letter uh, at the moment. Nice. Can we hear it one day? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Um, Great. Let's do that. Yeah. Poetry episode coming. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's something which we didn't trail, but we do plan to have a poetry mm. episode coming. Um, okay. Two more questions. What do you hope to achieve in the coming year? Mm, I'm writing a book, so it'd be nice to get. I know nice you to are. get that published. Um, Yay! Yeah, and so it shall be. And various other things as well. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. And finally, what would you, what is one thing that you would like people to take from this podcast? Mm, that question we always ask: uh, How could things be better? 
mm. and just like really imagining, not dreaming big, uh, not dreaming small, mm. dreaming big. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you. Over to you. Mm. Okay. Uh, what has been? I feel really scared now. <laughs> <laughs> what is the darkest thing you're about? No, I'm not going to do that. Um... <laughs> People are pretty much hearing that anyway, though, babes. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what has been your biggest teacher this year? <gasps> this year, you. <laughs> Seriously, hundred percent. I, I, I. Yeah, on um, between Christmas and New Year, I always write out these lessons and stuff I've learned and you were top. I haven't told you that, have I? I should have told you already, no. but it's you, babes. Mm. I'm not crying, you're crying. That's really lovely. <laughs> uh, I wasn't expecting that. Um, that was one of the only profound ones I had, so it's it's going... <laughs> well, you won. <laughs> uh, coffee or tea? Tea, always herbal tea only. I don't have caffeine. Don't fuck with that shit. <gasps> You're a better person than I. Uh, not savory better. or sweet? Ooh, ooh. Well, shit. The ooh. oh, savory because I can only take a certain amount of sweet. I love chocolate. I couldn't mm. live without it, but I couldn't only eat chocolate. Mm. Yeah, fair. Uh, spicy or mild? Spicy. <laughs> marmite or no marmite? Marmite, especially when hungover. <laughs> <laughs> with lots of butter okay well i need to tell you that our friendship is now in trouble oh no uh, Shit. What, what do i have to do <laughs> you have to give up the marmite Babes, I mean, if, if, uh... come on like we've gone so deep if marmite can jeopardize it i'm not really sure that you value this friendship as much as i do <laughs> there is a line there is a line like i love you but there is a line <laughs> I'm, ne- I'm never gonna it's not like i'm gonna try and force you to eat it it's okay. only me it's and i haven't re- eaten any for years so you know, Maybe. I'm going to respect that we're just different. Um, I'm going to go out and buy myself a it, jar now. <laughs> if I get a picture of you eating Marmite, I am going to, in my WhatsApp, I'm going to, I'm going to struggle. I'm not going to lie. Don't tempt me. <laughs> um, what one thing do you, what one gift would you like to give the world? Oh. Oh. Well, um, as it happens, I'm also writing a book at the moment. And at the moment, that Mm. is the gift that I want to give the world. And it's about healing after sexual violence. And I feel like there hopefully will be stuff in that. So so the gift I would like to give would be um, approaches to healing. So that's what I hope is achieved Mm. within the book. I'm being so indulgent, aren't I? These are supposed to be one-word answers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what one thing would you tell your younger self? Believe in yourself, you're worth it. Mm. Believe in yourself, maybe without the L'Oreal bit. <laughs> Believe in yourself. Yeah. I was going to say there's a sponsorship deal in there, but actually considering their track record with race, I'm going to say maybe maybe leave mm-hmm. L'Oreal. Mm-hmm. Um leave them out of it sunrise or sunset sunset i'm never up for sunrise it's very special if you are but i've seen way more sunsets and they've been amazing um (laughs) what one thing are you most are you most afraid of in the coming year (gasps) i actually can't say okay okay 
Maybe let's <laughs> let's have that chat when we're not recording. Maybe um, we'll have that chat another time. Yeah. <laughs> what one thing are you most hopeful for? Um, I can't say either. <laughs> Intrigued. What might you be in a position to say in the next, like, in in a in a later episode, or are you keeping this under wraps? Maybe. Okay. All right. That's fine. <laughs> no. Okay. No is no. a valid answer. Um, I'll say. I'll say. I'll say I'm I'm most hopeful for the book and what's going to come out of mm. it. Beautiful. Mm. Awesome. That was really fun. Is that my 10? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, thank you as always for being completely brilliant and a wonderful person to share these conversations with. And thank you everyone who's listening for being there. Well, ditto. It's very, it's very, uh, it's very easy to be brilliant when you're in the in the company of brilliance. So um, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, though, it's so cool hearing the feedback coming in and yeah. kind of hearing that people are listening to this and that it's making things move a little bit from for them, making them think, making them reflect in kind of new ways, and and that we're getting to that people are getting to know us a little bit. It's great. Mm. and yeah we'd love to hear your responses so if you haven't been in touch with us please do you can you can dm us on twitter at loving color pod and on instagram at loving color pod as well we'd absolutely love to hear from you about your responses to the show or also yeah any thoughts that you've been having or stories that have come up for you we'd be really interested to know about Awesome. Thanks very much and we'll see you in the next one. See you next time. Bye. This is Loving Colour, co-hosted by me, Tanaka Mishi. And co-hosted and produced by me, Imogen Butler-Cole. You can find me at TKTheTwit on Twitter. And me at ImogenIBC on Twitter and Instagram. And both of us at Loving Colour Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Our theme music is The Boatman from Quest Ensemble's 2020 album, The Other Side.